A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash pro revenge video. Today, we make a car disappear. But first, a story from Saving Surround 2 on 1. Don't send me your project info? I'll embarrass you in front of the whole class. I've seen a ton of posts about crappy group project partners and thought I'd share mine. Way back in middle school, I had to do a group project for science class. I was put in a group with three boys that were all popular and all slackers. Each group member had to research an animal along with having a specific role that came with extra responsibilities. The roles were leader, keep the group on track and make sure all the info was accounted for. Editor, look over everyone's finished work and check for spelling and grammar errors. Resource leader, site sources for all group members in a specific format. And website organizer, put together the website for all the info to be presented on. Despite my objections, the boys decided that I would be the website organizer because a loser like me can't be trusted with the more important jobs. Okay, fine, whatever. Over the course of the next week, I worked on researching my animal, setting up the various pages for each group member, presetting fonts for when they'd send me their info, and making it look pretty overall. Every day, I'd ask them to send me whatever they'd finished, so I could go ahead and add it to the website. Every day, they'd said they weren't ready to send anything yet. By the end of Wednesday, day three, I was done with my own research, as well as everything I could do in advance before receiving their info. After finishing, I sent my links to the resource leader so he could put them in the right format. Spoiler, he never did. I then asked the editor to check over my work, and after looking at it for about three seconds, he said it was fine and to leave him alone so he could finish a very important conversation he was having. The conversation was about Flappy Bird. Thursday and Friday were spent asking the boys to stop goofing off and to send me their info, They laughed it off and said they'd send it to me by Sunday morning, the day before the project was due. I was annoyed that I'd have to spend my weekend rushing to finish the project, but arguing was only getting me laughed at. Sunday rolls around, and after lunch, I emailed the boys asking where their info was and telling them I couldn't finish the project without it. No response. I sent a few more emails as the day went on. Again, no response. They refused to give me any contact info apart from their emails, so there was nothing else I could do. I get to science class on Monday, and were one of the first groups to present. The first two groups presented all their info on the same website, and they all took turns explaining what each of them contributed. It was here that I got a fun idea. The boys of my group went up one at a time and presented their mostly incorrect info on three separate badly organized websites. After seeing them goof around so much, I was surprised they had even that much. I went last and after I was done presenting, my teacher asked why there were four separate websites and why there were empty tabs on my website. I loudly told her and the whole class that my group members refused to send me their info and never informed me that they were creating their own websites. Being the website organizer, I also explained that the empty tabs were for their info which they never sent me. Cue laughter from the whole class. After that, I sat down with a huge grin on my face while the boys scowled at me. Because I did everything I was supposed to and more, I got an A. They were stuck with C's in a long lecture from that teacher. For a few months, there was minor bullying from them, but I didn't care. 
I won. Do you guys think I'm going too far when I say that because their work was clearly half-hearted and wasn't even collaborative at all, that the other three kids should have gotten an F, not a C, a passing grade? That despite doing everything they can to not participate in this group and put out really crappy work, they probably ended up getting grades they're more than happy with anyways. Would you guys agree with me if I say that these kids deserved to fail? Even if it was like a learning lesson thing? Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. Our next story is from Fish's Rule. You won't stop the bus to drop us off? Enjoy your unscheduled stop right where we needed to be. Back in 2001, I was in my final year of high school. Going to a Catholic school 20 kilometers or 12 miles away from the tiny country town I lived in. A Catholic school that was proud of its image but full of kids who had little to do on the weekends except work, drink, do drugs, and party. So it was ties, blazers, jackets, hats, button-down shirts that needed to be tucked in and done all the way up on kids that had a little chance of a good life if they didn't get out of that town. And the school could and would get you in trouble if you were caught wearing your uniform wrong while off school property. We had a community involvement project in my hometown, planting trees not far from my place. Right at the end of the day, seemed a bit stupid to take a bus back to school, go through homeroom, pack up our crap, and catch a bus back to where we already were. So the girls from my hometown asked if we could just go home from the project after it was done. Teachers conferred and agreed, sure, we just needed a signed note from our parents. On the day, we climb aboard the bus and show our notes to the head teacher and get told we can't get dropped off in our town or on the edge of town, despite the fact that they're not going out of their way. No stopping the bus. Okay, can we walk home from the project? Sure. After our civic duty is done, we check in with the teachers and head off. My place is closest, 600 meters or 655 yards away. We get to my place. The bus still hasn't moved. We head inside and each grab a cold can of coke. Bus still hasn't moved. Some girls got bored and went home. By the time the bus started moving, we'd made friends with the construction guys doing roadworks mere meters by my front door. By the time the bus got to my place, we were in control of the stop and slow lollipop sign. That bus stayed there for about five minutes, right where they could have stopped to let us off. Longer than it would have taken for that to happen though, with the remaining girls taking turns holding the stop sign, shirt untucked, ties off, top button undone, jumpers tied around their waists, I was barefoot. The head teacher was sitting in the front seat opposite the driver. We waved, we laughed, we sipped our cold cokes on that hot day. Head teacher was red in the face. He looked infinitely pissed, but looking back, I think he was trying not to laugh. Basically, this project was going to be right by everybody's houses, and instead of go back to school and get bussed back, might as well just let the kids go home when they're right there, right? Basically, the real jerk here is the bus driver. You're literally right there, and the bus driver basically said, no, we're not adding any extra stops to drop people off at their houses. They walk home instead, come right out, the bus is still there. The beautiful thing is they take control of that lollipop stop and go sign for the construction workers and they make that bus sit there right at the stop that they would have stopped off to drop all the kids off and just make them wait an extra long time. So much for we don't have time or we can't add those extra stops. Enjoy a taste of common sense. Our next story is from Saltwater Scrub. Blasted a classmate's phones with notifications for wronging me. Long story short, there's this guy at my school, Luke who absolutely makes my days miserable, being a jerk to me every day because he knows he can get away with it. Last night, 
I decided that I'd had enough of his BS. I got his email and phone number and signed him up to every adult entertainment site I know. Not only that, but I signed him up for daily magazine newsletters and a ton of different church groups. I got bro signed up for the Jehovah Witness. His phone is going to be blasted when he wakes up. I don't feel bad about it at all. Honestly, I mean, it's probably not going to stop the bullying. It's probably not going to reform them as a person. But it probably will annoy the heck out of them when they keep getting texts left and right every single day. So, hey, I mean, if you don't confront the bully head on, at least maybe this provides some kind of peace of mind. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Our next story is from Pyrite13, Smoker's Delight. Back in the day, about 20 years ago, myself and my group of friends and co-workers all smoked. Tobacco, among other things. We were in a blue-collar industry and were all hard-drinking and partying young men and women. It was a great era. One of my closest friends, Steve, moved from the Midwest where we all lived back to his childhood hometown on the East Coast. The reasons for this move were financial and not relevant to this story. I flew out to visit a couple of times, we went sightseeing and generally had a good time. Anyone who's ever been part of a smoking social group knows it's not uncommon to bum cigarettes from one another. I give you one today, you return the favor tomorrow, no big deal. They're worth about 25 cents a piece, but common courtesy dictates you ask politely rather than just helping yourself to someone else's pack. Steve felt we were close enough friends to forego this formality at his discretion. One night we're out on his front deck after dinner having beers and chatting. It's me, Steve, his wife, and a couple other friends. He'd been helping himself to my pack in my shirt breast pocket all week during my visit. But the last time we stopped at a store for provisions, I got to feeling a little petty about this. So instead of picking up a standard pack as I usually do, I got a pack of menthols. I don't mind menthols every once in a great while, but Steve hates them. For those that don't smoke, having a menthol as opposed to a standard cigarette is akin to biting into a mint chocolate bar instead of regular milk chocolate. The taste can be surprising if you're not suspecting it. So that night, I make sure to have the menthol pack in the same shirt pocket, easily accessible. Sure enough, Steve reaches for the pack, he pulls out a smoke and pops it into his lips. He's distracted by the conversation at hand and doesn't notice the faint scent off the unlit cigarette. I politely pass him my lighter with a grin on my face and wait for it. He looks at me with suspicious confusion, lights the tip, takes a big drag, then starts coughing. A few expletives later, I take my unfinished smoke back from him and begin to puff with evil satisfaction. It's not often that I was able to rattle him, but this one made us all laugh. Seeing his wife giggle was the best part of the evening. He kept his hands to himself after that. I guess this goes to show that you kind of have like a sharing superpower if you're the kind of person that likes menthols in a group that smokes. I mean, I myself, I don't smoke, so I wouldn't be able to comment on the quality with menthols versus just regular. But menthol alone, just the name, you can tell it's already one of those like, well, more for me type things. Our next story is from Bad Panda Cat. Try to cut in line? I'll block your cart. So I went to Costco this evening. As we browsed plans, the lights dimmed. We'd not realized they closed early, 6 p.m. So we abandoned our browsing. Costco employees have lives too and rushed to get three things we really needed and got in line. The line for the quick check, it's like self-check but there's employees doing the scanning, was hella long. 
but that was our problem for rolling in so late. An older lady behind us turned out to be an employee, off-duty, and she explained that folks with perishables were prioritized at the regular registers rather than the faster quick-check lines. So we're waiting our turn like everyone else, the lines moving along with reasonable speed. We're about a half dozen back when a dude with a cart full of perishables comes in from the side, clearly trying to merge in front of us. He's a younger dude, maybe 30, and we're women on the back half of our 50s. We keep moving forward, not allowing him to slide in. Note, he never looked at us or said anything. We were two back and it became clear he was going to rush past us to the next checkout. Not on my watch. I zipped up and stood in front of him, the cart at my back. He tried to maneuver around, but I kept my butt planted about a foot in front of his cart and did not yield ground. Finally, he started saying, ma'am, can you move? And I said, you're trying to cut in front of all these people. Get back in line like everyone else. He did not. I was confident that he wouldn't touch me with his cart. I mean, witnesses everywhere, and he's a big, younger dude hitting a short, older woman. Before long, it was our turn, so I had to move. As he rushed to the checkout, I said more loudly than necessary, You're cutting in line, you jerk. I spotted a free checker and pointed him out and said, He's cutting in line. The checker, my hero, immediately saw the looks everyone else was giving him, and she directed him to the back of the line. A male employee immediately stepped up and loudly announced that there was one line, which had been the key since these lanes opened, and the line formed back there, as Cutter Dude made his walk of shame to the end of the line. I thanked the checker while our three items were scanned. We headed out, feeling powerful like we'd vanquished an evil monster. Ironically, if he'd been in a real emergency and was in a legit rush, I'd have offered my place in line and gone to the back myself. I wasn't in any hurry, but no, he was a jerk with a raging sense of entitlement, and he got what he deserved. Honestly, I think OP did the ostensibly right thing to do. I feel like sadly, in situations like this, there might be people who, you know, just don't want to make a scene, don't want to like call out and get all the eyes on them. So for OP to be that one person to step up and say, hey, you're a jerk, you're trying to cut in line, get to the back, even flag down any workers that can help out, respect to OP. Our next story is from Bomb 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 Bomb. No space in your fridge for my LaCroix? No Wagyu for you. My friends and I have game nights every Saturday. We meet at Daniel's, fake names, house, because that's where we've set up our game room. Daniel owns the house, but the four of us split costs to get all the furniture, screens, and consoles in the room. One of the guys, who's an artist, did the mural and stuff. It's a sick man cave. Well, Daniel's girlfriend, let's call her Cassie, moved in with him a month ago. Cassie hates our game room, thinks it should be a home office or something, and that it's a waste of space. Cassie's made it very clear that she hates our weekly boys' night and us. She's becoming more and more territorial over little, petty things around the house. We're now not allowed to use the upstairs bathrooms and too much toilet paper. Last week, I went over with a case of LaCroix and some snacks. As I open the fridge to put my LaCroix in, Cassie tells me that I can't put my stuff in the fridge. I'd been doing so for the past two years. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Gears and Daniel had zero issues. I asked her why. And she said she had an Instacart delivery on the way, and there will be no space. Mind you, this fridge is huge. You could fit a motorcycle in there. But it was clear she was being petty, and I didn't want to argue with someone who clearly hates me. I took my lukewarm LaCroix downstairs. Cassie invited herself to our game night, wanting to watch, but she was on her phone the whole time. Then my girlfriend calls. Now, my girlfriend Jessica is a chef at one of the fanciest restaurants in the city. One that's really hard to cop reservations at unless you have an American Express black card. Jessica often recreates cheaper, yet equally delicious and more generously portioned food at home for friends and family. It's incredible food. Wagyu beef, branzino, prawns, lamb, truffle fries, the sides, you name it. She'll even bring bread from the restaurant. It's a whole course meal. She would sometimes stop by and drop off her incredible creations on her way to her parents. My boys love her for it. They'll kill me if I ever break up with Jessica. Even Cassie fawns over her food. She and Daniel came over for dinner one time, and she instantly told Daniel that she wants them to go to her restaurant for their anniversary dinner. Even asked my girlfriend if she can book them a reservation. She couldn't. Well, my girlfriend says she's on her way to her friends and asked if we want her to drop off food on the way. I look at Cassie, who's still on her phone, and I loudly said, Nah, babe, no need to bring us food. We already got pizza and there's no space in the fridge. Bring them to your friends, you'll know they'll love that. The boys were obviously a bit disappointed, but didn't complain too much since they already had pizza in their hands. But I could feel Cassie's death glare. I had to open the fridge one last time before leaving to get water. It was half empty. Cassie's Instacart never came, I guess. So am I to believe that Cassie lied about their Instacart delivery? Just to try to find some like total BS excuse as to why OP couldn't possibly use any of the space in the fridge? I mean, hey, I'm not saying that Daniel should break up with her, but just based off of what OP's presented from Cassie here, I'm not seeing a great allure for a relationship there. Maybe despite treating his friends like crap, she treats him like royalty or something. Our next story is from Mama Lion 12 He should have thought twice before he hit send. So on August 30th, my youngest son turned 17. He was having a great day. His dad, my ex-husband, had bought him a replica sword from The Witcher, and I'd got him an awesome eight knife kitchen set because the kid just loves to cook, and he's really freaking great at it. Backstory, I've been co-parenting with my ex-husband since my kids were three and one, so nearly 16 years. We've had 50-50 custody, and my ex has paid a small amount of child support, literally less than $300, since I left. He's always been better off financially because he came from a rich family, and I've always been white trash. I've raised my boys on my own with no help from anyone but my ex-husband. Well, in February, my ex decided to totally blow things out of the water. He decided to take a job where he'd have to relocate clear across the country. 
He somehow thought he could keep 50-50 custody even though our youngest is in his senior year. Also, my ex has always been a huge jerk to our youngest because he's an emotional kid and they're, well, they're emotionally constipated. My ex spent his entire childhood at work, asleep, or on the computer. The only time he'd parent was when our kids were in trouble, meaning that their relationship has always been very negative. When bonus mom, stepmom, told me about this move, I told her that I don't know how we can make this work. Our youngest got a leadership position in marching band and absolutely refuses to give that up because, his words, his father made a stupid decision. That means he is 100% with me at the moment. That meant every single expense has gone up. Food, electricity, internet, etc. I decided to have child support evaluated as there's been a massive change in custody. You'll need this for later. Also, our youngest would have such big fights with my ex and bonus mom that I would have to come pick him up for anywhere between a few hours to a few days. We were week on, week off. They actually thought that our youngest would stay with me first try, then with them second try. Um, no, that would have devastating effects on his mental health, which we had just found out that our son is bipolar, and I'm the only one keeping up with meds, therapy, and psychiatric appointments. He told them, ex and bonus mom, before they left, that he could only be there a few weeks at best. But they didn't listen. Well, until I got sick of it and told them otherwise, but this is just recently. Like, last week recently. Anyway, we were chilling in my living room, my two boys, my very dear friend and myself, talking about the day. My boy's phone goes off and I look over just in time to see his heart get crushed. My ex's father, my son's freaking grandfather, sent this to him on his birthday. Here's a text for you and when you're done reading it, be a little boy and hurry up and run to your mommy to show her. I can't believe how you treat your father, my son. And I can't believe how you condone your birth mother to treat him. Yep, down to the last year of child support. So let's screw your father one last time. They have 50-50 child support. So let's change it this last year to screw your father one last time. I moved out at 15, joined the army on my 17th birthday. But you? You're a joke. I've lost all respect for you. If you don't honor your agreed upon custody, you're a freaking spoiled, entitled little jerk that I want absolutely nothing to do with. I'm blocking your number. I'm done with birthdays and Christmas with you. Don't ever ask me for anything. You're out of my will. And unlike your low-life mother, I have money. You'd better get a job, though I doubt you'd last long at any job, because when your POS mom dies, it'll be up to you to bury her, because you'll be all alone in this life. I hope it's all worth it to keep screwing the only father you'll ever have. I don't know who's more pathetic, your mom or you, but don't care. I wipe my hands of you, you stupid shot. It took my oldest and my very dear friend, a guy that stands a foot taller than me, holding me back so I didn't go over and beat the despicable thing to death. I blew up my ex's phone about it and they freaked out at the thing. He's subhuman to me. They told me to never contact anyone in the family again, but I wasn't satisfied. See, we live in a very religious area and the thing had some standing in the church. Well, I took the text and sent it to literally everyone in his ward. Everyone. Now he's a complete outcast. I've told everyone that'll listen, and now I have proof of the narcissistic jerk's abuse. He is utterly ruined in this city now. 
The only family the old jerk had in town were my boys, and now neither one of them will have anything to do with him. He's alone, he's afraid, he's slowly, painfully dying of COPD. I despise him, and I've completely and utterly destroyed everything he ever built. He will never, ever live this down. I don't know if it's petty, but it's definitely revenge. Originally, Opie attached the text that the grandfather sent in just an image. Thankfully, some people in the comments transcribed the whole text. I mean, basically, I don't know how you can ever come off as any more biased than that. I don't think you need much more inspiration than that to cut some people off, and honestly, if they're gonna go and say that about you because of a custody agreement that honestly, the kid doesn't have much say in besides what they want to do with their life, I mean, I think they kind of deserve to get shamed for that. That was a horribly disgusting text to send your grandkid. Our next story is from rval17. Want to use our lawn after calling code enforcement? Okay, let's play. Okay, kind of long story, too long to type. Our neighbors in front hate us for using the public street parking. Cue our new neighbors to the left, recent additions to our block. They seemed like nice people with three kids and one dog. We keep to ourselves besides parking on the street to allow our elderly parents room in the driveway to visit. Well, that chaps our neighbors in the front. They have eight cars for four adults who live there. They told, yes, I said told, us to use our driveway and empty garage. Meanwhile, they expect the street. We had used both the driveway spots, but after a few spats with my wife this past year, starting January 1st, we now park on the street whenever we can. Well, they called 911 on us. No joke, even the cop was baffled. Well, back to the neighbors in question on the left, they're now naturally best friends with across-the-street jerks, so they told us to cut our tree. We declined, it wasn't out of compliance for our area. When that didn't stick, they called code enforcement to cut our lawn. Again, not out of compliance. They wanted it short so their kids could continue to play on both sides. However, that one did annoy us. So my wife and I decided to, in one day, rip out the entire lawn on the property line and put rocks and a red brick barrier. Just so happened that their in-laws were visiting that day to see said adjustment. At that time, left neighbor who hates us, I guess to save face, asked us if we needed a tool even though we were almost done. I just gave him a disgusted face and said no while walking away. My wife chuckled, saw him look embarrassed afterwards. Then their kids came over and started to play on the rocks in the new barrier. Left neighbor said, don't go over there, they don't like kids. We have a kid and I'm a teacher. My wife said, we just don't like your kids. Maybe if you watch them more. They scamper away. The next weekend, we put in three rose bushes. Then I got one long, phallic-looking cactus and planted two wide, fuzzy, ball-like cactuses on either side. Natural barbed wire fence. That was back in February or March. So, fast forward to this past Monday, we put in a new security camera and found that left neighbor actually thought our yard was their yard. She said while looking at our property line, their yard's like half of ours. Turns out the optical illusion of their yard being big was just that. I'ma be honest, it sucks living next to a neighbor like that, and I fully respect, you know, basically going to an army supply store and building up your reinforced, militarized, cactus natural wall of defense. Keep out and stop bothering us. And our final story of the day is from Captain Balbao. Park your car in a danger zone? Good luck to find it back. This is the story of Mike. Mike managed the warehouse of a hospital. 
Said hospital was built in the 50s in the center of the town. The stadium's on one side, the justice hall in another, and schools on a third side. There's also a casern and two other medical buildings around, so the streets are crowded with cars searching for parking. One day, when opening the gate of the landing dock, Mike noticed a little car parked in the hospital internal court, near the 2,000-liter liquid oxygen tank. Of course, it's absolutely forbidden because 1. This is a private property. 2. The court had been planned before 35-ton trucks were the norm, and maneuvering is already difficult. And 3. Liquid oxygen is explosive. A car or a truck hitting the tank would be a major hazard. It was a small Italian car, no advertisement, but it was the kind commonly used as a second car or to travel in the Dolomite Mountains, where the roads are very narrow. So Mike makes some calls. The car's not owned by someone of the warehouse or the nursing staff. No doctor has such a small car. The reception made the public announcements asking visitors to move the badly parked car to no avail. By 18 hours, the car is gone. Okay, problem solved. The day after, the car is there again. Same calls with the same result. Mike called the police, but the police can't tow it because it's a private place. And towing companies won't do it without a police query. By chance, that day only lorries came to unload medical materials. When it was time to close the warehouse, the car's gone once more. On the third day when the landing dock opened, the car's already there. And now that's a real problem. A 35-ton truck from Germany has to come this day. There's no way it can reach the dock without tilting the car and the liquid oxygen tank. It's become a clear and present problem for security. All the warehouse team exchanged ideas on what to do, but all feasible solutions have already been tried. It's when somebody from maintenance team passed on a forklift with a pallet of plaster bags. It struck everybody at the same time. There's no way the Italian car could weigh more than that one ton of plaster. So Mike goes and talks to the forklift driver while the team searches for a wood pallet. Slowly, with many precautions, the forklift slid the pallet under the car, lifted the whole thing, and went and dropped the car off on the nearby street. In the first 10 minutes, the police is warned that a car's parked in the middle of the street blocking the traffic. The said car's towed away in less than half an hour. The truck had no problem maneuvering. Two days later, rumors ran the hospital. It was the car of the director's wife. She worked in the medical building some streets away. While everybody found that Mike made a good move, they wait and see what will follow. It's now a global problem of management. Mike is called to the directors. As soon as he passed the door, he started to explain, Yes, I know it's your wife's car, but... The director went, What? No, I called you for an entirely other matter. I warned my wife several times. She had it coming, that runt. Until the hospital closed 20 years later, the story had been repeated to each new worker and each medical student. Put your car on a tree if you want, but don't park in the landing dock court, because Mike will make it disappear. Well, I'm not going to lie, I didn't expect the director to have that kind of reaction. I mean, honestly, even if the director didn't have like a great rapport with their own wife, you'd think they'd still like stick their neck out for them and stand up for them, but no, she had it coming, that runt. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, check out the one on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.